In 2004, a meteorite smashes into the planet Earth. Or does it? Then we travel back to the year 1988 to meet a group of what can only be described as superheroes in training and their encounter with some mysterious creatures. And finally, we travel to India, where a man lives with 11 of his family members. Three generations of people live in a house above a shop. But when the shop doesn't open one morning, people fear the worst, and they have no idea what's inside the house. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio... everyone welcome back to another episode of dead rabbit radio i'm your host jason carpenter i'm having a great day i hope you guys are having a great day too so for our first story we're headed to nicaragua i knew when i i knew when i was researching this story i was like great country i can't say the word the name of nicaragua it's in south america central america it's down south of the border I think it's in Central America, actually. Actually, I know for a fact it's in Central America. So, and now how much people are like, doing it's not. It's in the tip of South America. Doesn't matter. It's somewhere around there. The year is 2014, so very, very close to where we're at right now. The date, September 6th. Hop on board the Carpenter Copter, boys. We're flying to Nicaragua. So, as we're flying over Nicaragua, so it's just after midnight, we're flying around. I go, guys, see that airport over there? See Augusto C. Sandino International Airport? See that right over there? You're like, yeah, yeah, I see it. So we're going to fly over that. And I want you to keep your eye out. I want you to keep an eye on things. You're like, are we spies now? Are we working for the CIA? Like, no, no. Is my eyes shift back and forth? I'm like, no. But don't ask that question again. I might have to kick you out of the helicopter. We're flying. I go, do you see anything? And you're like, no. No, and then (gasps) just dirt and smoke appear just a little shy of the airport. Massive explosion. We see the explosion. We actually feel the shockwave. Is that look? I'm sorry, that noise probably woke someone up who's listening to the podcast late at night. I continue to do it. Going down, going down. I'm hitting switches. But I'm able to stabilize the helicopter. And we start to smell. It smells like something was burnt. smells like something was really burnt. So what happened was in... This was in the city of Managua. Managua. September 6, 2014. It's midnight. People are sitting at home. They're watching Everyone Loves Raymond, eating popcorn, doing whatever. And all of a sudden, they hear this massive explosion. They look out their window. They just see all this debris going everywhere. And they can feel the shockwave. It's a pretty populated area. Population of 2.4 million people. It's right by an airport. So it's not in the middle of nowhere. Not middle of the jungle. It's not in the middle of a desert. People see the explosion, hear the explosion. They smell the explosion. Of course, military officials go out there. Rescue workers go out there because they don't know what's going on. What they find is a crater. 40 feet wide, 20 feet deep. You had seismic centers across the country that had actually picked up this shockwave coming through the ground. They go, huh, must have been a meteorite. So let's find it because it's a scientific thing. You know, find a meteorite, give it to the nerds. Maybe it's a, like has some cool metals. And there's, the scientists are fighting over it. Who gets to touch it first? They're like, dude, no. When I see it, I'm going to become a superhero. I'm going to get my... Su- no, no, I'm going to get superpowers. They're all wrestling. 
The investigator's like, I don't care who gets superpowers, just find the meteorite. He's secretly hoping the blob's in it so he can eat all these nerds. They look all over the place, no meteorite at all. Now thinking, okay, maybe the meteorite exploded, but maybe we'll find some fragments looking around, looking around. Nothing. And it gets to the point where they have to contact NASA. They're contacting outside resources, and they go, hey, listen, it's going to be really weird, but two or three nights ago, we had this massive explosion, and the guy on the other, NASA's like, a meteorite, dude, don't bug us, we it's a meteorite, and they're like, no, 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 we thought it was a meteorite, too, but we don't find any trace of it at all, we're not finding any little pieces of it, but here's the weirdest thing about this, nobody saw anything before this happened, this is called the Managua event, because You have a crater that most likely was caused by a meteor near a city with a population of 2.4 million people. Not a single person, not a single camera picked up something impacting the planet. There is no footage, not anyone seeing it. Well, Jason, maybe the rock was black. They said for this, for something to leave a hole this size on Earth, it would have been glowing brighter than the moon. There is absolutely the amount of energy amount of force and heat that it built up to impact the ground like this, there is no way it would have gone undetected at all. At all. Some people say, oh, maybe it was already a sinkhole there, and that was it. And then people go, well, what was the explosion people heard? And they don't have an answer for that. Some people believe the most likely suggestion is that it was a man-made explosion, but they don't know who or why Anyone would do that. They have no proof of that either. So basically, something punched the planet, left a massive crater near a city, and nobody knows how or why or possibly who did this. Miniature black hole, dark matter appearing all of a sudden, just ripping out a part of the planet. Mandela effect. Alternate reality colliding. Maybe in an alternate reality, some guy took a bite out of Earth. (laughs) But we just got the little... Th- who knows? That's that's obviously ridiculous. But who knows? Let's go ahead and move on with our next story. Now, our next story is another little shorty. It's from our new segment we're doing right now called 1988. I found a list of a bunch of weird UFO encounters from the year 1988. This one I'm going to read to you because I think a lot of the passion is in the writing. This is from a website called Think About It Docs. They do a lot of... Link in the show notes, but they do a lot of lists of UFO sightings. But anyways, here we have one. This is July 1988. We're in Cheadle. I don't understand how England sets their name and stuff up. San Francisco, California. That's all you need to know. Chicago, Illinois, right? This is in Cheadle, which is in Cheshire, which is in England. What? Just... Come on, dude. Whatever, dude. I'm so tired. You guys, I have so many stories coming up with weird geographical stuff. Just figure it out. (sighs) Anyways, the year's uh, 1988. It's July. I'm going to read this to you. This is from a book written by Jenny Randalls. It's called Mind Monsters. And if this is what the book is about, if this is just an excerpt from these amazing adventures, I got to buy this book. Here's a quote. This is from the website. Several teenagers that were practicing the martial arts at an old abandoned mansion. So right there. That's Power Rangers, bro. Like, I've lived a pretty cool life. I've done a lot of awesome stuff. But I cannot say that as a teenager, I practiced martial arts with other teenagers in an old, abandoned mansion. Because those are the three best words. And you got teenagers 
preferably with attitude, doing karate in there. That's awesome. What were, and nowhere in the story does it explain why they are doing this. I can only imagine they're getting ready to fight crime or Rita Repulsa. But several teenagers that were practicing the, not just the martial arts, but several teenagers that were practicing the martial arts at an old abandoned mansion spotted several small, black, dwarf-like beings that appear to stare at them from the nearby trees. Ooh, ooh, getting creepy. Maybe they're the putties. Maybe this is the first iteration of the putties. They're coming. They're going to fight these teenagers. This is their test. Back to the quote. The beans had bright, shiny eyes. Oh, and this is 8 o'clock at night, by the way. I guess I should let you know that. This is 8 o'clock at night. So it's not super late. It's still too spooky to see little black creatures with shiny eyes poking their heads out from around a tree. Any time is too creepy for that, but at 8 o'clock, it's even creepier. The beans had bright, shiny eyes and wore dark, loose-fitting garments. The beans apparently had the ability to grow in size to nearly twice their size. During the encounters, the witnesses curiously felt no fear. So, I'm going to buy this book, by the way, and I'm going to find out if we know what happens to our intrepid young heroes. Bulk and Skull are like, there's no way they'll be able to defeat the dwarves. And they're like, Lord Zed's like, oh, oh, this actually, now that I think about it, this is 100% of Power Rangers because this the dwarves can grow to nearly twice their size. Grow, my monsters, grow! I'm now starting to think that this is fake. Like, I gotta read this book. The book was written in 2000, so I'm buying it tonight. Now I'm thinking that Jenny Randall's basically was able to write Power Rangers fan fiction and sell it. You know what? Here, hold on. I don't want to. I, I don't want to push this Indian story back again because I already pushed it back from yesterday. But let me look up this book here real quick. I had it. I had it bookmarked earlier, but um, I just I just found the book online. The chapter is called. Introduction, the case of the ninja dwarves. So I'm going to pause the recording right now. I'm going to read this chapter and you may have to push the Indian story back. We'll figure this out. And play me out. Play me out, Jamie. Put on a little hold music for these guys while I read this book. Okay, so we're not doing the Indian story today. It's such a good story, too. Gotta put it off for two days now. But I just read The Case of the Ninja Dwarves. Now, I'm pretty sure I've entitled this episode Somewhere with Ninja Dwarves. So maybe it's not a huge surprise that this is how we're going to end up the episode. But I did more research on this. This story's pretty creepy. So let's travel. Let's hop on board the Carpenter Copter. Yep, we're going official. This is no longer just a short little story. Hop on board. We're leaving behind Nicaragua. We're leaving behind Nicaragua and we're headed out to Abney Hall. It's the name of the building if you're over there. Abney Hall isn't it's still around. It's it, it it is abandoned. It's I guess it was the Agatha Christie used to hang out there. It's a real famous hall. The author Jen, Jenny Randalls wrote this book called Mind Monsters. And she talks about this case. So let's take a look at her notes. We're gonna land our helicopter. We're gonna land it on the roof of this old abandoned mansion. 
it's all buckling under the weight. I'm like, okay, hop off, hop off. We're rappelling down the building. And you're like, Jason, I think the heaviest thing up there is the helicopter, not us. I was like, yeah, helicopter will be fine. So now we're walking around the grounds and we look through a window and it's the year 1988 and we see some teenagers doing karate. There was about a dozen of them. And they had an instructor there as well. He's like, Rita Pulsa is destroyed. You know what's funny is this, the Power Ranger jokes are going to end because this story is actually quite creepy. But I, I do want you all to imagine the instructor of these teenagers as Tommy the Green Ranger. I want you all to picture that in your head. So pulls out his little flute. And they're like, whoa, 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 doing their karate stuff. Now, one day they're doing the martial arts. And they see something out in a tree out in the field. They see something kind of poking out from behind the tree. Now, you know it's a dwarf, because we already talked about that. But I want to build the mood. So they're like, that's weird. But they're still like, keep kicking. Keep kicking. Whoa. Whoa. Don't look at that weird object over there. But the kids can't avoid looking at the object. And one of them goes, I'm going to go over there and see what it is. It looks like someone's behind that tree. That's totally weird. So he goes over there and he's looking. He's like, guys, there's nothing back here. He's standing right at the tree. There's nothing back there. But from the house, they can still see a dark figure looking behind the tree. That's creepy. I've had experiences like that, too, where reality bends so much that you can have people all looking at the same thing. And three people will have seen it and three people won't have. And I've told stories like that. I told that one story where I was out in an area that was haunted. We were ghost hunting. And I went around the corner of this building to go pee. And then my buddies came running around the corner. And they're like, dude, what happened? It was a long story. I I told it on an earlier episode. But they heard me screaming for my life. They thought I was getting jumped because I had recently just started uh, trash talking some kids. They thought they'd come back around to jump me. And I was not making a single noise at all. And so reality warped. I don't. I wouldn't want them to come around while I'm peeing. I don't want my boys to see me like that. So I would, wasn't pulling a prank or nothing like that. Reality warped. It was a sound that w- they heard a sound. I didn't hear any noise. So it wasn't even someone else yelling. It was another. There wasn't another handsome man with a deep masculine voice yelling in the area. There was nothing. They heard it. So, anyways, I've been in situations like that. But you have that where one person's standing right there and they don't see anything. And then the other people, and we talked about this on yesterday's episode too, about these people, they saw a car accident and when they went to hypnosis, it turns out it was like a cover for aliens. I think that's creepier because again, if you can't see that there's a creature right in front of you, you, if you have to be at a different location to see it, you, there is no way to defend yourself against these things. If you open your closet and you go, oh, my closet's totally just, it's a little messy, but there's nothing in there and you shut the door. But if someone was standing eight feet behind you in the other room and they saw you open the closet and they see like a a, a man, like an old man with like chattering his skeletal teeth at you and you're just looking at a closet and you're like, oh, my closet's kind of creepy. You shut it. But if someone was standing farther away at the right angle, they could see this horrific image. You can't defend yourself if you can't see it, right? So anyways, this guy is standing there. He doesn't see anything. The kids are like, no, no, it's right in front of you. It's right in front of you. This would happen... At 8 p.m., around 8 p.m., every Sunday night, they would come here, they would do their training. Whoa, they're shrimping on the ground, doing their shrimping. I jujitsu starts back up Tuesday for me. Can't wait. They're doing their martial arts, but at 8 p.m., they would see this figure kind of poke out around the tree. And the more times, this started in July, every time they came, they'd see more of it. So eventually, it was no longer just looking behind the tree. At one point, it was just sitting on a rock, watching them. And this is interesting. So in the original thing I read you, 
it was it's been an hour for me but for you it's been five minutes it says that they were wearing uh, black loose fitting clothes the people at the scene specifically just said what i thought that was a weird description loose fitting clothes baggy jeans is marky mark fan it was weird they were wearing geese this little dwarf who was com- like a shadow he was completely black his clothes were black his face was black his hair was black it was almost like a silhouette was wearing martial arts clothes, a little gi. So it was wearing the same clothes they had, but all black. So people, they thought that was weird. They, obviously, like if I go out and I'm wearing like a, a, a Toucan Sam, I love my Fruit Loops jacket, and I happen to see a ghost across the street wearing that same jacket, that's ten times scarier than if it was dressed as a Victorian ghost. But... They, and it said in the original description, they weren't afraid. And that's true to a point. So when they're seeing this weird little dwarf sitting on this rock wearing a gi, they know that it's paranormal and they felt that it was fairly sinister, but they weren't afraid of it yet. Because it goes way more in depth than that little paragraph had uh, led on to believe. They start to see more of them. As the practices go on at 8 p.m., they'd start to see more of them. Sometimes one would be sitting in the tree... Sometimes one would be sitting on a rock. Sometimes one would be just... And at this point, I'm thinking, maybe it's just shadows. It would make sense. It's 8 p.m. It's later. The sun's setting. It's playing tricks. There's lights and stuff like that. You're going to have all sorts of shadows. They said that they don't even see him move. They just see him appear, which, you know, how a shadow tends to work. You just... The light is cast differently on a bush, and you're like, oh my god, that wasn't there. An hour ago, there was nothing there, and now there's a shaped... A dwarf in the shape of a bush laying flat on the ground. Oh, no. But they were seeing these things, and Pauline, which I believe is a pseudonym, she said that she started to be able to sense before they would be there. Like, she'd be able to kind of look over and go, there's going to be one over there, and she'd look, and there'd be a little guy sitting there in his kimono. And they did. They went on the rock every so often, he'd raise his hand, and then he would grow to be twice as big. He got so big, he'd be bigger than the teenager. So now there's a giant dwarf in a black kimono standing in the bushes, all quite terrifying. At one point, though, the kids are still trying to mess with these things because they're kids trying to figure out what it is. Some are probably trying to debunk it. Some are trying to show how tough they were. I don't care about no little dwarf. I'll go out there. At one point, I thought this story, and this is where things get really weird. At one point, one of them, because they'd go into the bushes and mess around trying to find these things, as you would, really as you would. I'm not blaming them. The guy goes into the bushes. I wonder what the instructor was doing during all of this stuff. Because you're like, you want to run a martial arts class. You're not running taps. You're not a paranormal investigator. Eventually, they're like, come on, let's get back. Start wrestling again. And they're like, no, let's see what happens. So this guy walks into the bushes looking for a dwarf guy. And the people on the terrace are watching this. Now, the guy who goes into the bushes says, this is what happened. I walked in the bushes and I could feel something really weird and creepy around me. And I left. I'm just walking out of the bushes. But this is what everyone else saw. Again, super trippy. Because you basically have two realities in the same reality. People are up on the terrace watching this happen. They see him go into the bushes and they see and they see the little ninja dwarf standing there looking at him. And then they both take a stance and they start kung fu fighting in the bushes. Their teammate is fighting a ninja dwarf. A ghost dwarf. And before they can really register what they're actually seeing, they're watching one of their buddies fight a supernatural creature, a martial art combat, a mortal combat in the bushes. They hear what's described as an unnatural scream. Everyone runs off the terrace into the house. 
Now, I'm sure that guy walked out of the bushes and came in and being like, hey, what happened? Like, I was just in the bushes and then I come in and you guys are all hiding behind the furniture with like mops and um, sharpened broom handles. And they're like, we saw you fight that guy. And then we heard that scream. We were afraid something happened. So we did the smartest thing. We retreated back into the house and didn't check on you at all. And he goes, no, no, I didn't. I think I would know if I fought a dwarf. I think that I would remember that. But that's what they saw. So now months have passed. And this is no longer a, this is a cool little paranormal event. We don't have any fear. We're just kind of watching this thing. The malevolent dwarves go on the offensive. These kids, man, this isn't a place that they're living. So it's not, you know, you have haunted house movies where the family's like, oh, we lost all of our money in the stock market of whatever. And we got to buy this house and it turns out to be haunted. And they're like, we got to move. And they're like, we don't have any money to move. Like, that's really common. And this, they're, they're breaking. They're not supposed to be here, by the way. This is an old abandoned mansion. I guess there was some people renovating it. And there have been like social services being used from time to time. But at the time, it was an old abandoned mansion. They weren't supposed to be there at all. So they're breaking into really a haunted house. And they could leave at any time. But it's a perfect place to go do their martial arts. One day, doing the martial arts, the instructor feels it choking around his neck. Can't stop it. And he collapses to the ground, an invisible hand wrapped around his throat. And that's bad enough, right? It's bad on a couple different levels. One, if you are training in the martial arts, and you know there's ninja dwarves nearby. You can always hope that the best of you, i.e. the instructor, will be able to fight them off. But, apparently not. Sneak attack. This guy got choked out, so what are your odds? Cut. So what are your chances of surviving a fight? He then falls to the ground, right? And then begins crawling. Now, it says that he crawled to the river, and his... Uh, students had to like wrestle him be like no no he's like no training's over training's over no 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 and they're like getting him a chokehold he's like no not the chokehold not the chokehold but i don't know exactly what they did but they got him in a figure four the point is is that the students were afraid he was going to crawl into the river and they had to hold him back keep him from drowning himself now that story i do have a question about this where did he get choked because if he's outside by the bushes they should know better at this point He's outside by the bushes. He gets choked. He falls down. He crawls five or six feet. They wrestle him down. Keep him from going into the river. But if they're doing their practice in the house, which is where they've been doing their practice as far as the story goes up until this point, the idea of a man getting choked and then crawling a good 50, 60 yards unstopped by his team, cut unstopped by his students just being like are you okay are you okay he's just crawling keeps crawling they're like what should we do what should we do he's just crawling crawling i mean like that would take think about how long it would take to crawl 50 60 yards and the whole time they're just like sir sir stop it or sensei sensei stop it i hope for the sake of his knees and his hands that this story took place very close to the river but I think they were inside. So I think he had quite the journey. He stops and takes a break. He's like, possessed by dwarf, must kill self. Uh, my knees. I'm going to sit here for a second. Students are like, are you okay, sensei? Are you okay? And he's like, just catching my breath until I'm able to kill myself. Okay, I'm good again. Ah, oh, my knees. Ah, put my knee on a rock. No, no. And they're trying to stop him. Anyways, 
So that was the instructor's story. But they still keep coming. That was the first time one of them was assaulted, other than the shadow fighting that the other guy didn't know. Now they're getting assaulted. Pauline herself, and she's cited heavily in the book, that's why I keep talking about her. One day she's hanging out at the mansion. They're doing their attacking stuff. They're doing their martial arts. And her boyfriend's there. She turns to him. They start karate fighting. Which you're like, okay, Jason, that's normal, right? That's what we do. But no, she was too fierce. And eventually, like a flurry of blows. She's like, I can't block them all. I can't block them. Punch, punch, stack, stack, stack. She starts laying into him. Boyfriend falls in a hump. She's kicking him in the ribs. Bop, bop. She's just tearing into this dude. Fight's over. Actually, there was no fight to begin with. She just attacks her boyfriend. And they're just fighting. What makes it seem to be more than just a little bit of puncher's luck is that she's beating him up and one of her classmates is like, Pauline, stop, stop. And she he's trying to hold her back and then she's still going. And then someone's like, Pauline, what are you doing? What are you doing? He's dead. He's already dead. And she's still like going. And it took four of her teammates, four of her peers to pull her off of her boyfriend. And she goes, I think I was possessed. She has a quote around this time. And she says, it, referring to whatever this spirit thing is, it preys on the bad part of everyone it comes into contact with. Basically, it's taking, which would make me think it's time to, to break up. Like, if my girlfriend ever beat me up, first off, I'm breaking up with her. But secondly, if she then says I was possessed, I'd be like, okay, maybe. But if she goes and the possession feeds on the bad part of me, then I'd be like, so you didn't want, you wanted to beat me up. You just, you want, that was something inside of you. You just couldn't do it because there wasn't a monster dwarf possessing you. It fed off something you already wanted to do. I'm out. I'm out. Now this creature is 100% on the offense. So this one girl, she wakes up, she falls asleep. This is straight up some Freddy Krueger stuff. She falls asleep on a bench, like a little bench they have set aside. She wakes up, there's no one else around, and she's completely paralyzed. And she sees a black hand disembodied hand just kind of floating above her face and it's getting closer and closer to her and then she finally breaks free and jumps up and runs out of the room and finds her teammates and like oh hand big and then there was another guy who got pushed against the wall which to be fair that's getting off lightly if i'm sitting around with my buddies and we're comparing stories, and one guy's like, yeah, dude, I got choked. I crawled 50 yards. Look at my knees. Look how scratched up they are. Try to drown myself. Oh, that's nothing. I got possessed by a ninja dwarf and beat up my boyfriend. Our relationship has not been the same since. Honestly, I think he's kind of into it. He keeps asking me to do it again. Girl's like, that's nothing. I fell asleep. Everyone left me alone in a room asleep of a house we know that's haunted by ninja dwarves. With sleep paralysis, a hand appeared above me. Who knows what would have happened? And then another guy goes, that's nothing. I got pushed against the wall. So, yeah. you. I, I don't even think that should be in the book. That would be like someone saying, I sprained my ankle while the Titanic sank. Like, sure, yes, you were there, and you have a story to tell, maybe, but come on, dude, like, there's a certain point, that's not, I'm sure a lot of people sprained their ankles during the Titanic. I don't think it's mentioned in every book about the Titanic. Save me, Jack, save me. She's just mildly inconvenienced. She has a little bit of swelling. So, 
they stopped going to the mansion at this point. That The guy getting pushed against the wall, they're like, that's the last straw. Larry, you're the nicest guy. Who would push you against the wall? Everyone else has like black eyes and like busted bones, messed up knees. But Larry getting pushed against the wall, that is a, that is a wall too far. So they stopped going to Abney Hall. They stopped going to do... They went to go do their martial arts elsewhere. A place where they... Actually, you think about it, that would be a good dojo because not only are you learning, like, technique, you also have to fight your way off the premises each week. That actually is... I'm going to start a dojo like that where you go in and you train and you learn your techniques and then outside, there's just a bunch of thugs that push you and harass you all the way to your car. And eventually you can take them on. They stopped going, though. They said it was a combination. This is weird. They said it was a combination of the dwarf attacks, of the ninja supernatural dwarf attacks, and it was getting cold because it was October now. The weather had changed. I don't think... that That's so... Someone said, hey, man, why'd you stop living in Amityville? You're like, well, rent was a little high. It's kind of drafty. And, you know, the suicide... The suicide murder ghost that that shot everyone in his family. Yeah, just not the best roommate. Like that that's that would not you don't have to have any qualifiers before that. Just be like, we didn't the when the person who wrote this book, when Jenny Randall's asked, Hey, why'd you guys stop going to this mansion? They should have just said, Have you not been paying attention? Have you not understood a word I've said? Supernatural ninja dwarves. That's that's the only reason why no one would ever go anywhere ever again. Jenny Randles ends up hearing about the story. She goes to the... Seems like a pretty good book. I might actually finish reading it. Jenny Randall and Mind Mind Monsters. It's in the show notes as well. Jenny Randles goes to Abney Hall. She looks around. She says she's there with an investigator. She says it seems kind of creepy, but, you know, whatever. She ends up, though, is really cool. This is what I liked about it. She didn't just say the end. She ended up making a bunch of phone calls, finding the people who who worked at the place before the teenagers got there, who worked at the place since they've left, because her book was being written in 1990. She's calling up the property owners, calling up people who had worked in the area. She did a lot of investigation. Her theory, one, I should say this, was that the reason why the dwarves were wearing geese is because they were a dark manifestation of the emotions of the martial artist. Because they were working so hard on keeping their anger in check. They're fighting, they're being violent, but it's not about being angry, it's about being calm. That there was some dark spirit in the area that was picking up the anger that they were bottling in. That was Jenny Randall's theory, which is an interesting one. Her other theory was that it's all made up, which is also always another interesting theory. But she did have two notes to talk about. One of them was that in November, which happened a month after they stopped going, I guess there was a series of, there was a really big tremor in the area. And she learned that when she called up a maintenance crew or a construction crew that was kind of working on renovating the house. They said, yeah, I, yeah, I know what you, I know your house you're talking about. She goes, anything odd happened there? He goes, yeah, in November, there was an odd tremor. We actually thought it was some sort of like underground explosion, some sort of big uh, dig going on, but we're construction people. We know what's going on. We actually made some phone calls. We could never get to the bottom of it. And she said that that's a common thing when paranormal events end, there's almost like a tremor or a minor earthquake to signify that the event is gone 
that's kind of interesting note. She also said that when she talked to the groundskeeper, she goes, yeah, have you ever had anything weird happen at Abney Hall? And and the groundskeeper goes, listen, man, the only weird thing that I've because re- apparently like Agatha Christie's ghost is there or there is a ghost there or something like that. The groundskeeper goes, you want to know the weirdest thing really that's happened recently? As much of teenagers kept breaking into the mansions, going into the bushes and karate chopping the bushes and I had to run them out. I had to keep running them out and I haven't seen them since. So, I mean, they definitely were there. They definitely were mucking about in the bushes, karate chopping the bushes. The groundskeeper had to run them out. So that's actually an interesting bit of proof that the story isn't made up. That, I mean, it would be weird that they got kicked off the property by the groundskeeper for karate chopping bushes. And they said, you know what? I'm going to give him a left right. I'm going to go find a paranormal researcher and tell him that the only reason we were karate chopping those bushes because there were ninja dwarves in there. And that, that'll prove, that'll show him. I don't think so. The story's actually probably true. The question is, in, in that sense, I'm not saying there were definitely ghosts here, but it's probably true as in the events happened. I guess the biggest question is, what was in the bushes at Abney Hall? A playful spirit that fed too much on the negative energy of a group of teenagers? A demonic entity that simply laid in wait until the right victims came by? It seems that whatever it is is gone now. There's been no reports like that in the area since. The earthquake may have signified that the event ended. But more troubling is the earthquake may have signified the event simply moved. This creature may have been a dark manifestation of these kids' inner thoughts. So the question is this. If you ever come across this entity... What will it appear as to you? And will you have the strength to defeat the darkest side of your soul? DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. (laughs) 